0: out of state, who are here for the first time. I won't embarrass you or anything. I just want to say welcome. And I'm really encouraged because for 10 years, at least a decade, we prayed that South Dakota would be a place of refuge for the weary. We really did. For at least 10 years, the Lord gave us that word 10 or 15 years ago, that he wanted South Dakota to be a place of refuge, which means it needed to be a place of righteousness, a place of prayer, And we have prayed for that in our house of prayer, prayed for that in statewide prayer gatherings, prayed that South Dakota would be a beacon of light, would be a beacon of righteousness. We're far from a perfect state, guys, but we are blessed. Not perfect, but we are blessed. And whenever I hear that someone moved here from another state, whatever the reason, I always just get excited. I think there's a lot here, but some other people think differently. (laughs) We know we're a small town, right? But welcome. We're glad you're here. And we hope that we bless you to find refuge in the Lord even and rest for your souls. In Jesus' name, right? Amen. Okay. I want to talk today about exposing the accuser. Yeah. This is going to be good, isn't it? You ready to be free? So several weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, I did a series on the wilderness. I did three messages, maybe, a, yeah, yeah, four, five, six weeks ago, we did three messages on the wilderness, going through wildernesses successfully, and, and the last message I preached was actually on Jesus in the wilderness. One of the things that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that I really didn't get to bring out in that message because it wasn't the main point um, is, uh, it, I just wanted to preach on it this morning. And it, so it really is based in that same scripture where after Jesus' baptism, he goes, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days by the enemy. Whew. that's not a fun fast, is it? And, um, but he's so victorious. He's completely victorious over the temptations of the enemy, he uses the word, right? You guys remember the sword? I had to bring it again because it was so popular among our children. <laughs> a little sword. You remember he cut down the enemy with the word of God. This could not cut down anybody, I, I promise you. This couldn't This couldn't cut a tomato if I acted. It couldn't do anything. Look at it running into my finger. But that's okay. The word of God is powerful, and he used the word to defeat the enemy. And one of the things that the Lord began to speak to me, and he's just like been, I say marinating in it. When God gives you a word, I encourage you to stick with it. Just imagine your steak. You're a piece of steak in a good marinade. It just can't be in there too long, right? Just marinate in the Word. Just roll around in it. Just sit in it. Just let it penetrate your heart. Let it soak down. You don't want any part of that steak to not be full of the flavor, right? Oh, I did it. I brought meat into the message I wasn't even meaning to. It's a theme, isn't it? If it's not bacon, it's steak. (laughs) You poor vegetarians, you just can't connect with the message. So when the Lord speaks something to you, you need to marinate it. And one of the things that I felt like the Lord said to me just personally as that weeks ago was, Autumn, the reason why Jesus could be victorious over the enemy is because he knew who was speaking to him. He knew it was the enemy. And I felt and sense the Spirit saying over and over again, do you want this up? Oh, it's messing up our video, isn't it? That was good. That was it. Thanks, guys. You're so encouraging. Um, that Jesus knew who he was fighting. He knew there was an enemy. He knew the enemy was tempting him. He wasn't confused about who was speaking to him, and therefore he knew. He needed to pull out his sword and use it. And then what the spirit kept speaking to me is my people don't know my voice enough and they can't discern half the time who's talking to them. What voice they're hearing in their, in their spirit, in their mind. And so they're not fighting spiritual battles because they don't even know it's the enemy that's tormenting them. We think it's ourselves, right? We think it's our own failures. We think it's, you know, all the different things. But when we can clearly see Satan standing in front of us, we fight differently, don't we? Some of you walk, are literally walking around with a cloud of defeat over you. Or there's an area in your life that if you think of one memory from your past, you immediately feel heavy, defeated, shame. And what you don't know is who's speaking to you at that moment. You think, well, how many of you have done some stupid things before age 20? Let's just raise your hand if you've done some things that you wish honestly You wish you could go back and change. Just raise your hand one more time. Before age 20, you did something that you're like, don't worry, I'm not going to make you come up and say it. (laughs) We would be here forever. Join the club of the idiots, right? I mean, we have done some stupid, stupid, stupid things. And that's just before you hit age 20. Some of just never stopped, right? Until we, I mean, we, I get it, right? But what the Holy Spirit wants to say today, I believe, is that he wants us to begin to discern who's speaking to us so we know what to do with it. Do you know that there are many shameful things that you have done in your life that you shouldn't feel any shame about anymore? We're not, I'm not saying that what you've done in your past wasn't shameful. But if you're still living under shame, you are listening to the wrong voice. 4 weeks ago, I was in a meeting with a friend and I was sharing something and all of a sudden she's it was powerful time. Honestly, it was life-changing. She just began to pray and prophesy over me and immediately in the spirit I saw two areas of my life. Two areas that we're almost continually under the accusation of the enemy. I actually hardly could believe it when I saw it. It was so clear. I I have been living under accusation in these two areas for almost my entire adult life. But guess what? When you see who's saying it, you act differently, don't you? I'm so ticked off. I said, devil, I'm never coming under accusation again for the rest of my life. The blood of Jesus has spoken a better word over us. How powerful was the sacrifice? How powerful was the cross? How powerful was the blood that was shed and flowed for you. Just a little powerful. Enough to get forgiven, but not released of shame? Just a little powerful, enough to get you into heaven, but not good enough to make you feel very good about yourself? Has the enemy told you that you deserve to feel pretty bad for all those things you've done? Some of you are living with some consequences, right? Some of you have messed up other people's lives. Guess what? You still don't get to feel shame. Doesn't mean it wasn't bad. Doesn't mean it wasn't serious. Doesn't mean that you didn't take responsibility for it. Doesn't mean that you don't need to try to write something that was wronged. But what it means is you are free. Jesus paid the price to free you from all accusation. The enemy has nothing on you. You ever hear the stories or you watch the movies where the bad guy comes and is trying to blackmail the rich man? He's got something on him. Oh, I saw you when you did this and this and this. I caught you. I know this secret information. Now you have to give me money. I'm black. And, you know, there's a blackmail situation holding the secret sin over the rich man's life. Satan wants to do that to you. Guess what? He can't. He's got nothing on you. Jesus paid for it all. Jesus paid for it all. It is so important that we begin to discern what the enemy sounds like so we know how to fight him. And, what we, and so we discern what the Lord, you know, obviously, what the Lord sounds like so we can believe him. Jesus continually walked in a clarity about what voices were around him. He had this clarity on him. You saw it in the desert when he was dealing with the enemy. Those lies came, twisted truth, scripture even, but that was twisted. And he took out that sword because he knew what voice it was, he took out the sword and he cut it down with the word truth, right? But how about when it's flesh and blood speaking to us, right? How about When the enemy is using our loved ones, right? Don't be too judgmental. You've been that loved one being used against your spouse or your kids. Do you remember in Matthew 16, this is this amazing passage where Jesus is telling his disciples, who do you think I am? And they're like, well, some say this and some say that. And then Peter he has the revelation of who Jesus is. He's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, this was not revealed to you by men. This is the spirit has revealed this to you, Peter. And then he changes Peter's name to Peter at that time. He was called Simon. He goes, I'm going to call you Peter. It means rock. And so Peter's feeling really, really good. And then the next verse, Jesus begins to explain how he's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer, how he's going to die, how he, how he's it's it's going to be bad, right? It's going to look dark. There's going to be suffering. And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 22, it says Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. It's a really stupid thing to do. Don't. <laughs> and he's like, "Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen." Like he's like, what, "Why are you saying these things?" I just told you, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're not going to suffer. You're going to be victorious. Of course, Jesus was victorious, but through the cross. Jesus turned to Peter, and he says this, Get away from me, Satan. He's talking to Peter. But he has this clarity on him. He knows what voice is speaking to him right then. He knows Peter is not speaking the wisdom of God. Peter is speaking the words of the enemy. Now, Peter still was a Christian, so to speak. You know, he loved the Lord, spiritual. But Jesus, with his clarity, is like, get behind me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. That's a lot of clarity, isn't it? You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. That was Jesus' words. See, we need to understand the heart of God. We need to understand the voice of the Lord. And we also need to know the voice of our enemy so we can reject it fully. You know, Hebrews 5.14 says that there's this training. We go through training so we can recognize the difference between right and wrong. That's Hebrews 5.14. It says through, like, the mature people, they like to eat on the meat. And through constant use, through constant training, they learn the difference between right and wrong. You learn the difference between the voice of the enemy and the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? So let me tell you something. The accusers will strategically hit you where it hurts you the most. Satan, the enemy of your soul, he will strike at you with accusation in the areas of your life that it matters the most. Any of you care deeply about being a parent? Mom guilt is a real thing, isn't it? Accusations over fathers, you're not enough, you're never going to be enough. Look at what your kids just did. Look at that decision. That's a reflection on you. You should have done this. You should have done that. You could have done this. You could have done that. Remember when you were a mess up when they were young? Remember, blah, 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 blah. Accusing, 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 accusing. I tell you what, the battle is fiercest, actually, in the area of your greatest sacrifice and your area of greatest devotion to the Lord. Where you care the most, that's where the battle gets the most gruesome. That's where the enemy will come in and try to strike you with the greatest accusation. Think about in Mark chapter 14. Actually, in all of the Gospels, it records a story of Mary of Bethany when she comes to Jesus. Do you remember? It's, it's just a few days before Jesus, Jesus will actually go to the cross, be arrested and go to the cross. And he's staying in Bethany. And Mary comes in with this expensive, expensive, Flask of pure nard, very expensive ointment, perfume, and I think last summer actually we I even taught on that what you smell on what you smell like like what do we smell like right and this pure nard actually came from like this flower that was harvested in the Himalayas I mean it was really rare very expensive it actually says it was worth a full year's wages let's just throw out fifty thousand as a professional wage, a year's wages. And she took that perfume, which was probably her inheritance, maybe her dowry, what she had, maybe a little bit of like insurance for the future, so to speak, maybe her parents gave it to her so that if she, she was fatherless, motherless, she was not married, that she'd have a way to support herself to keep her from going into destitution. It was her 401K. It's her retirement fund. But she loved him so much. What do I have to give him? I mean, she's just like, "What what could I do for? Jesus. And we know her heart was worship. We know because of the way Jesus responded. She just wanted to give him an offering. And so she came in and she broke open the flask and she poured it all over him. $50,000 never be gotten back it can never be put back in the bottle it was just her love poured out it was her moment of greatest devotion it was her moment of greatest sacrifice it was the moment she her love was on display for her savior and what happens in the moment of her greatest devotion and sacrifice The accuser rises up in the room. And all these men who have walked with Jesus for three and a half years, the most mature men in the land, spiritually, at that moment, were his disciples. And they rise up in that moment, and they begin to accuse her. It says there were some who were indignant why this ointment? Why was this ointment wasted? It could have been sold. Money could have been given to the poor. You just wasted. You literally just poured fifty thousand dollars on his head. What are you doing? And Jesus rises up against that spirit of accusation. What does he say? He's like in modern vernacular: "Shut your face. Shut up." And he makes a statement. He goes, what this woman has done will be told forever. She's in all four Gospels. All four Gospels record the story. He goes, a thousand years ago, they're going to be talking about this moment. Leave her alone. Why are you troubling her? Shut the mouth of the accuser, right? See, and Mary Mary didn't get accused in some area that she didn't care about. The enemy rose up to accuse her in her area of devotion, in in what she cared about, right? In what she was doing for the Lord. Have any of you had an assignment from the Lord, something you wanted to do for him, and you just felt like continually you were under this, I mean, if you really want, maybe you didn't know it was accusation, but this feeling like you weren't good enough for that, or you couldn't do that. Or you weren't skilled enough? He hits you where it hurts. I mean, imagine if you were Mary, except for let's imagine that it's modern day. You have a life savings of $50,000. That's what you have for your future. For some of you, that's a ton of money. For some of you, it's not that much money. But let's say it's all you had. You had $50,000. you would saved your entire life. And you have $50,000 for retirement. And because of love, God touched your heart so much. Just because of love, you're like, what could I do for my Lord? What could I do for you? What could I do for you, Jesus? What could I do for you? And this thought comes into your mind, I just want to give him everything. Like, I just want to give him everything. And with joy. I mean, you're like, it's the most joyful day of your life. You're like, I, I'm going to give him everything. Oh, my goodness. In this moment, this is what I can do for him. And you run to the bank and you take out all your money. 50000 And you just lay it at the feet of Jesus. And let's just say all of your best friends who are Christians... Who are leaders in the church begin to look at you, be like, "You are such a fool. What are you thinking? Did God give you money just so that you could go and throw it away? What are you doing? What are you going to do when you hit sixty-five? Fifty thousand wasn't even that much. Now you have nothing. What are you doing?" And they begin to accuse you. And what if it went a, a step farther even? And instead of just calling you foolish, they said. You're just doing this to get attention. You've got such an evil heart. Look at you drawing attention to yourself, throwing your money at Jesus' feet. Accusation, accusation, accusation. Don't let anybody keep you from giving everything to Jesus. Jesus. And don't let the enemy of your soul, speaking through humans or just putting heaviness on you, keep you from devoting everything to Christ. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. Some of you have experienced this. Have, have you ever been at a job where you're just like, oh, you're working so hard, and you've got this revelation even, I'm going to work hard as unto the Lord. That's what scriptures say, right? When you... When you work, do it like God himself is your employer. Have you ever worked hard? Maybe you're in a tough place, and a tough place to work, but you're like, I'm not gossiping about my boss. I'm not going to slander my coworkers. I'm going to work with a good attitude. And then maybe you're in a moment where you're actually sacrificing deeply to walk in that. And then there's a misunderstanding and your employer thinks that you did something wrong. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? Do you know what I go through to have a good attitude for you? Accusation. Or a fellow employee lies about you because they're jealous, right? And all of a sudden you're like, what? I'm giving so much here. The enemy knows what you're giving. He knows what you're laying down. And he will come and do the best he can to discourage you in those moments when you are laying your life down to the greatest extent. Oh, Lord, you're good, though. You're so good. This is the good news. You never, for the rest of your life, have to spend even one day under the weight of accusation because of what Jesus did for you, ever, Instead, we dedicate our lives to learning to recognize the voice of God and knowing his character. Let me just give you just a few bullet points about the character of God. The Father gave you his son. So it says in the scriptures, what else would he ever withhold from you? I know I have nothing more important in this life than my children, my husband and my children, my family, right? Honestly, if our little family's good, I'm good, (laughs) There's nothing more important to us is there. If if the father gave you his son so you could be free, is there anything he would withhold from you? He already gave it all to you. Believe who your God is. He's so good. He's so loving. He's so open-handed. Open-handed. Jesus actually died to free us from heaviness. Know his character this is his character do you know we don't serve a fault finding god he's righteous he's holy that's why he gives us a holy spirit so we can be righteous and we can be holy but he's not fault finding he's not standing over you as you change the tire waiting for you to do something wrong so he can like oh i knew you wouldn't put the bolt on right Some of us had dads. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. (laughs) He's not a fault finder. You know what he looks for? Sincere love and devotion. If he was looking for perfection, you would not even be in the running. (laughs) Okay? Right? You wouldn't even be in the room if perfection is what he was going for. Sincere love, though. He knows if you're being a hypocrite. And you do, too. Right? Don't we know? We know when we're putting on the show. So we don't play games with the Lord. It's not a greasy grace like, oh, it just doesn't matter what I do. No, no, it matters what you do. But he's not a fault-finding God. He's a gracious Father who's looking for sincere love and devotion. This is what his voice sounds like. The voice of God sounds righteous, holy, and pure. Think of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart. He could say it because God is pure, pure in heart. His voice is loving. If you know Jesus in this room, God's heart is loving. He is not beating you up. If you are feeling condemned day and day in and day out like you're not enough, it is not the voice of God. His voice leads you unto salvation, it's full of mercy. He is so merciful. He's humble. His voice has authority. His voice, when he speaks, is without condemnation or accusation. He is just not the accuser. In fact, one of his names is the advocate. Like he's the lawyer defending us, the advocate. He's not the prosecutor accusing us. It's good news. His voice is full of truth. It agrees with scripture. It's life-giving. His voice releases faith. If you think you're hearing something, but the result of it is zero faith, you may not be hearing the voice of the Lord. When you One word from the Lord, whew, oh, I got this. Jesus is with me, right? But we also need to know who our real enemy is, and what his works look like. I just want to take a few minutes here just to expose what the enemy looks like so we can recognize his work in our life and cut it off. You know, in a war, ignorance isn't bliss, is it? A good general would never say, oh, I don't want to know anything about my enemy. We'll just go in there and do our thing. We don't need to know. No, a good general would say, I want to know how my enemy works. I want to know what his moves are so that I can win this battle decisively, right? Now, I'm clarifying here. It's not like we're fixating our eyes on the devil all the time. We fix our eyes on Jesus, right? We just look at the devil long enough to get him in the crosshairs and pull the trigger. In other words, we look at him long enough to say, get out of my face in Jesus' name. I'm not listening to you. But today we're talking about recognizing him because some of us are under a cloud of accusation a lot and we need to get out from underneath it. Ephesians 6 says this. It says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. The devil has strategies. One of his main strategies is accusation, actually. And it says, we are not fighting against the flesh and blood as people, right? So you just need to look at your spouse and say, you're not my enemy. <laughs> you can just do it right now. It's just kind of fun. If we all do it, it won't, it won't feel awkward. Just look at your spouse and just say, you're not my enemy. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. That's right. Because our battle's not against flesh and blood, it's against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. You do have an enemy. It's not people. It is the devil, the accuser. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. You have an adversary. You have someone who hates your guts. It is the devil. And he he's likened to a lion. Have you ever watched those National Geographics? They're crouching down in the Sahara, it's crouching down like in the tall grass, waiting for the helpless little gazelle to come hopping by. And then you see the National oh, gruesome National Geographics, the lion leaping up, taking the gazelle down. Jeff loves watching those kinds of shows. That's who Satan is like. Prowling around like a lion. Seeking someone to devour. But what does the same verse 9? Resist him. Praise God, we can resist the enemy. It says resist him. Firm in your faith. Do you know how you can overcome accusation? Believe that God loves you. That's not how he talks. Believe you're really forgiven. Believe that you're free from shame. It's faith. Believe that God's for you. He's not against you. Believe it that no matter how much you messed up in your past or you messed up this morning, there is fresh grace and forgiveness for you right now. And you don't have to live underneath the shame of it. Faith. Job 1.6 describes the enemy like this. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. And then God says, look at my servant Job. Look how amazing he is. It makes me not want God to brag on me to the devil too much. (laughs) And And Job's like... He, or the devil gets right in there to attack Job, and it's it's gruesome, right? He didn't. Now, Job didn't get attacked because Job was sinful. He's righteous. The devil hates righteousness. But right here, he's called the accuser. It's his name. It's who he is. In Revelation twelve ten, it says this: I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, "Now have come the salvation and power." Of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He who accuses them day and night before the Lord. This is a description of how the enemy works day and night. Anna's not enough. Anna's not enough. She's just not enough. Oh, what a liar! What a liar! Some of you are going to get so free today of shame and guilt because you have been under a heavy accusation in your life from failures in the past. He is such a liar. In fact, John 8 calls him the liar, the father of all lies. It says he's a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He's the liar and the father of all lies, the accuser of the brethren, who day and night, night and day accuses them. And the Lord says in the scripture before, resist him by standing firm. Know who you are in God. Jesus loves you. This I know. for the Bible tells me so. This is what the voice of Satan sounds like. It's accusative. Have we established that? Yes. He violates and twists the word. I tell you what, he will use your desire for righteousness even against you. Oh, I just want to be righteous. Well, Lord, I would never say that I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. So I guess, I mean, I know I have all these faults. And all of a sudden the enemy comes in. Yes, you do. You have all these faults. You are just so this and that. And we can all of a sudden believe that we are acting in humility by beating ourselves up continually for the things that we're not perfect at. Instead of bringing them before our loving Father and saying, Lord, I know I have weaknesses, but God, thank you. You delight in me. Strengthen me in these areas. Strengthen me in these areas. We have to learn to come to him in our weakness, not in shame, but in faith. That when we come to him with the weakness that's been revealed, he strengthens us to overcome. You don't have to come to him like a beat dog with the tail between your legs to get him to come through for you. You can come in with your head held high. Papa, I'm here and I need some help. I'm seeing this really yucky thing inside of me. God, thank you that you died for me so I could overcome. Shame is not your portion. But the enemy will twist the word. As soon as you get confident like that, he'll say, You're so prideful. You say, You're such a liar. The enemy's voice leads us away from the Savior. How many of you feel close to God when you're depressed and heavy? Of course not. That's not when you feel the closest to the Lord. He leads us away from righteousness. His voice is deceptive. It brings death and destruction. The fruit of the voice of the enemy is fear. Fear is the fruit of the enemy. Faith is the fruit of love and of the Lord. The voice of the enemy brings heaviness, isolation. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I'll look at Zechariah 3, one, and then we're going to pray together. And I just, I just want everyone in the room to be free. God just wants every person to be free from this. To recognize it when the enemy tries to bring it on you, to get quick freedom. Zechariah 3, I love this passage. There's a high priest named Jeshua. And Zechariah the prophet is seeing this vision of Jeshua, a righteous man of God, standing before the Lord. And it says, the angel showed me Jeshua the high priest standing before the Lord, angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan. Here we see it again. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Jeshua. Here's this high priest. This is an important leader in the nation of Israel. Standing before the Lord. And here's the accuser just accusing him. He's got sin. He's got sin. And the Lord says to Satan, I... The Lord, reject your accusations. Isn't that powerful? It says, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. This man is a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. Do you know what? That's what each of you are. You are burning sticks in the fire, about ready to be consumed your sin and the Lord reached in and grabbed you out and rescued you and guess what as soon as he rescues you the accusations of the enemy have no hold on you anymore and when the enemy comes before the Lord now and says I want you to look at my servant Dustin isn't he just amazing how he's loving Jesus and serving the Lord and the enemy's there, Dustin, do you know, do you know? Dustin still deals with this. And do you know that he, he was snippy with his wife the other day? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making things up. <laughs> You're perfect, Dustin, okay? And, the, and what does is, what is the Lord say when the accuser of the brethren starts speaking about Dustin? Dustin's still dealing with this. And Dustin, he's got, you, know, you know what he did in his past? You know what? The Lord rises up, Satan, I rebuke you. I reject your accusation against my son, Dustin. He's mine. And let me tell you, if the Lord himself rejects the accusation, what right do we have to receive it? And what does the Lord say? No, 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 I rescued Dustin. He was like a burning stick about ready to like, whoo, he was toast. But I reached into the fire, grabbed him out, and now he's a trophy of my grace. Oh, for the glory of my name. Oh, Dustin's my son. He brings me such pleasure. Do you see his sincerity of love and devotion for me? Verse 3, it says, Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins, and now I'm giving you these new clothes. This is what happens at salvation. Dirty garments ripped off, and we've got clean ones. Not because you instantly became perfect, but because you instantly became born again. And I love it. Zechariah is standing there and says, they should also place a clean turban on his head. Like Zechariah is just watching the vision. He's like, look at his hat's dirty too. Just get it off of him. Get it all clean. <laughs> so the angel's like, sure, let's give him a new turban. <laughs> Completely clean. And sometimes when you are dealing with darkness in your soul and you're fighting sin, it's hard to believe you're still clean. But you are. Stay in the fight. If you believe you're clean, you'll act clean. If you let the enemy convince you that you're dirty, you will begin to act dirty. But if you've come to Christ and you're born again, you are clean. Thank you, God. So what we're going to do in just a few minutes, we're actually, we're going to pray for each other, and there's two things we're going to pray for. One is that some of you, the enemy has just been mocking you almost. Ever see the monkey at the zoo? Pretty good noise. That's a pretty good monkey, right? just sitting on your shoulder, just mocking, 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 mocking. Look at the failure in this area. Look at the failure in this. Look at, look at what, what your kids are doing. Look at what your marriage looks like. Look at how your finances are messed up. Look at that sin. Look at this. Look at your past. Mocking, mocking like the monkey on the shoulder. And I really believe that this is a moment where we could deal with something that you could come into a freedom and you could recognize when that mocking spirit, so to speak, when that accuser comes, you could come into a moment right now where you're like, I'm never going to listen to him again, ever. I'm going to stand firm in my faith, believing that just like Jeshua, I've been made clean. I've been given new clothes and I'm not going to fall under the accusation of the enemy ever again. So we're going to pray for believers in here who maybe there's something still from your past or present that you're feeling accused or heavy over, but we're we're going to pray for one other thing also. The truth is, if you have rejected Christ's leadership in your life, you are under heavy accusation. And it's true. There's no protection from the accusations of the enemy for those who have rejected Christ's leadership. The truth is, you're standing condemned. You're a dead man walking. You're condemned to hell. That is the truth. And I believe there's possibly somebody that this morning... You're going to say, I want out from underneath the accusations of the enemy. I want it out from underneath the weight of my own sin. You cannot save yourself. You can't get good enough. Don't try to like, well, I was going to clean my life up, and then I was going to make this dedication to the Lord. Don't do it. You can't do it that way. You can't be good enough. You got to come to him right like you are, a hot mess, but repenting. Repentance is key. Repentance is turn my Lord. I'm turning my life around. I choose to follow you. But you can't you can't just try to make yourself better. If you could make yourself good enough for God, he would not have sent Jesus. There's no way he would have sent his own son if you could have done it on your own. You can't. You cannot be good enough apart from the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. But today is a day where you can say, I'm going to make Jesus first in my life. I'm coming underneath the leadership of the Lord. I am leaving my sin. I'm coming underneath the leadership of the Lord. And in one moment, you go like Jeshua the high priest from dressed in filthy rags to like a a stick fetched out of the fire, saved for the glory of God and clothed in righteousness. You could have... 500 sins you're dealing with still and be clothed in righteousness with a new heart and now you and the Holy Spirit are just going to walk this thing out into maturity this could be your day for that this could be the day where you get out from underneath the heaviness and the weight of your sin which you can not carry it's too heavy It's too heavy. And I'm actually wondering if we could do a little worship. Chad, just on a guitar. And I'm wondering if, like, Shannon and Patty could just stand up in the back. And I'm just going to, we're just going to worship the Lord. And if someone wants to come to Christ, I'm going to invite you not to come to the front, but actually to go to the back and just to receive prayer. Jeff, could you be back there too? So we have a guy. Okay, let's see who actually Patty is. Can you wave your hand, Patty, so we know who you are? And Shannon, everyone just look back there. Keep your hands raised. Okay, and then my husband, Jeff. Okay, let's all stand up right now. We're just going to worship the Lord. And if you need to, if you want to come underneath the leadership of Jesus, I want you just to make your way back. And just ask one of these guys to pray with you. And guess what? We've all been in your shoes. We've all had to make choices to make Jesus leader. Every one of us. Every one of us. It's the most important decision you could ever make in your life. Changes everything. Changes everything. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just close our eyes right now. Holy Spirit we just ask you to settle across this place right now to bring freedom Lord I pray God right now that you would um, just show us if there's any areas of our life that we are not believing your word over that we're in condemnation over accusation, failure. Right now, I just pray that you would bring even like painful moments, if they're not healed, I pray you just bring them up right now so that we could receive your healing. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see clearly who we're listening to. Open our eyes right now, Lord. We don't want to entertain the voice of the enemy. We don't want to let him sit at our dining room table and talk to us even for five minutes. So, Lord, I pray you just open eyes right now. Open eyes right now. Open eyes right now. I just encourage you, just focus on the Lord. Keep your eyes closed. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you right now. We just worship you, Lord. group right now. Again, at any time, if you want prayer, just slip to the back for prayer. If you're coming to Christ, or if you just, you know, if you think someone next to you needs to come to Christ, just ask them. Do you want me to go back with you? Take their hand, go back with them to pray. Or if you just need extra prayer, you can go back there. Honestly, they're not going to re- they're not going to reject you. But um, I specifically had this a group of people in my heart that I want to pray for right now. If you're a mom and you deal with guilt of any kind over your motherhood, maybe past mistakes you actually legitimately made or fears that you have, but just any kind of torment from the enemy that you're not enough as a mom. I um, I just, I think we should pray for you right now. So if you are dealing with, I call it mom guilt, but you can call it anything you want, any accusations as a mom, I just, if you want prayer, I want you just to raise your hand right now. We're just going to pray for you. Awesome. Could could some people just like lay your hands on the person, people with their hands up, okay? Just go ahead and lay a hand on them. Keep your hand up till everyone has somebody praying for them. we just pray you break heaviness right now off of these mothers right now lord we just we just stand with you jesus and we agree with your words we reject the accusations of satan over them and god we thank you father you chose them for this moment you chose them to be a mom you chose them right now and god i thank you that every past failure is forgiven. It's under the blood. There's no reason to ever bring it up again, Lord. We thank you, Father. I declare each one of these moms free from shame, free from guilt right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray right now for the grace for them to forgive themselves as you have forgiven them. I just feel as strong. you need some of you just need to say, Lord, if you've forgiven me, I forgive myself. You just don't get to have unforgiveness towards yourself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, lift off the heaviness right now in Jesus' name, Lord. our hands out in front of us like this right now we're gonna we're gonna deal with accusations in our life I encourage you to put your hands out like you're receiving a gift from the Lord because you're receiving a gift from the Lord I want everyone who desires to respond to this word I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me You say, Jesus, I choose to believe your word. I thank you that I'm clean. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I am free from accusation, from shame, from guilt. I thank you that you've given me new garments to wear. I'm pure and I'm holy. I believe your word. I reject accusation in every form. I command it to leave me right now. I don't receive it. I receive God's word. I receive his love. I receive his total forgiveness. And I receive a free heart. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to release you guys. Chad, thank you so much. You're amazing. He went on three hours of sleep.